Hello, hello, what's up, what's good? Ni hao, bonjour. Welcome to the Anyone Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Anyone Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, philosophical, and creative people in the world. Evan has a story, each person a scholar. Really, really wonderful show for today with an, with an amazing conversation as we have author of the new book, Talking Across the Divide, Justin Lee as our guest. Talking Across the Divide is a guide to learning how to communicate with people who have diametrically opposed opinions from you, how to empathize with them, and how to possibly change their minds. This book is extremely contemporary, and I think we've all experienced situations this year in which we've had conversations with people from opposing views. Now, America is more polarized than ever, whether the issue is the 45th president of the United States, healthcare, abortion, gun control, or even DC versus Marvel. It feels like you can't voice an opinion without ruffling someone's feathers. And today's digital age is easier than ever to build walls around yourself. You fill up your Twitter feed with voices that are angry about the same issues and believe as you believe. Before long, you're isolated in your own personal echo chamber. And if you ever encounter someone outside your bubble, you don't understand how those arguments that resonate so well with your peers, but can't get through to anyone else. In a time where every conversation quickly becomes a battlefield, it's up to us to learn how to talk to each other again. This was such an important conversation because of the world we live in, and Justin does a great job in explaining why it's important to listen to others and, and how we can salvage some of our friendships in such tumultuous times. Justin is an author and social activist with 20 years' experience. Justin describes himself as a geek who loves board games, technology, pop culture, video games, film, theme parks, usual trivia, and all sort of other geeky things. His website, geekyjustin.com, is a mix of pop culture, his books, and social commentary. He was an absolute joy to speak with. On today's conversation, Justin chats about the genesis of his books, the importance of having divisive conversations, and he shares with us his expert opinion on board games. Fun and intellectual conversation. Doesn't get any better than this. Excited for you guys to hear him. So let's go ahead and bring on author of the new book, Talking Across the Divide, Justin Lee, and let's learn. I'm looking through your books here. First thing I always, I'm curious, like what, what books people got on their book. I think bookshelves are like the quintessential piece of art that exists and they summarize kind of who someone is. So it's, it's always, it's, I'm always curious when I see books. So <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little scared. I, 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 uh, yeah, it I could know. shine a light I, on you that you might not want uh, people to know about. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think there's anything particularly surprising on my bookshelf, but uh, you never know. Well, who's the who's the Funko there? Uh, the Funko is Mister Rogers. Ah, uh, okay. I didn't recognize him with the gray hair. Yeah, I think it's actually technically Tom Hanks as Mister okay. Rogers in that film, but you know, but he's he's got his uh, the card. Well, yeah, yeah, he's got his. Uh, Daniel Tiger. Uh, oh, Daniel Tiger. Your website, geekyjustin.com, has a little bit of everything. So have you always been someone with uh, many diverse interests? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, I think all of us are. You know, so I, I grew up uh, in a really conservative Southern Baptist home and then realized that I was gay. And that was uh, the beginning of, of, you know, a huge journey on on those questions, on sort of trying to figure out, you know, when what you believe conflicts with who you're discovering yourself to be. Do you do you lie about who you are to fit in uh, with your faith community? Do you give up your faith in order to be honest? Uh, how do you do that? You know, and so I started writing and speaking on that and got a little bit of a little bit famous in uh 
certain circles for doing that work. But, um, you know, I've done that for 20 plus years now, and it's still an issue that interests me. It's relevant to my life. But when you do the same thing for that long, people start to put you in a box where that's the only thing that they know about you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, you know, I've always been a a geek. You know, I'm a geek about language and board games and movies and pop culture and more serious things like social issues and, and relationships and the power of empathy and how do we fight polarization in our culture. So when I was building my website, I was like, you know, all of these people know me as gay Christian Justin who talks about LGBTQ stuff and talks about faith stuff. And I, I didn't want to be just gay Christian Justin. So I decided to be geeky Justin and give me a chance to talk about the stuff that interests me, whether that's, you know, board games or how to handle political disagreements with your family or what you can learn about life by looking at Animal Crossing. So, yeah, and you know, and I think some people think that you shouldn't, if you have a brand, you shouldn't dilute your brand that way. You should be about one thing. And and I guess there's something to that, but I also feel like in our culture where we're all content creators, we're kind of turning ourselves into brands in a way that's not always healthy. Like it's maybe we need to embrace who we are as multifaceted human beings more. So that's what I try to do. The only bad thing I'll say about having a website called geekyjustin.com is that when I say it out loud and don't spell it, sometimes people mishear it. I did a talk one time where at the end of my talk, I said, um, and it, you know, if you want to look me up online, I'm at geekyjustin.com. And this guy comes up to me afterwards, this older gentleman and says, did you say kinkyjustin.com? <laughs> no, G E E K Y. A whole different type of audience that will be going to your website. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we were to restart quarantine hypothetically in March, uh, or we just go back in time, March, 2020, if you could only choose one board game to last an entire quarantine, what would that be? Oh, man. That's hard. That's like choosing one of my children. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I don't know. Don't do that to me. I, I would need time to think. I, um, okay, I'll come back to you. I'll come back. I have so many. I, I, I have so many board games. It's a little ridiculous, except for the board game enthusiasts out there will tell you that you can never have too many board games, but everybody else would say I have too many board games. Okay. Well, maybe as you think about it, one caveat, let's just say they have to be, the game has to be made prior to 1980. Nothing, nothing incredibly new. Something's got to be Okay. So as we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back. (laughs) I I I can answer that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'll say for me, I I think it's gotta be Monopoly. If we're talking old games, because a lot of my games are modern games. We're talking about old games. uh, I'm going to have to go with Clue. That was my favorite Uh, game growing uh, up. I have a whole collection of Clue throughout the years. So I enjoy solving mysteries. So And with my last last name of Green, Clue has always been something that's... uh, So Clue's my second (laughs) book. I I love your post on how to act during disagreements without losing a friend. It seems like few people think about this. Yet during this chaotic year, it's it's actually an important skill. The arguments that are constantly going on about everything. Mm -hmm. How does one disagree with someone without losing a friend? What's your philosophy on this? Well, you know, obviously it's a complicated question and it's something that there's not a a simple answer for, but if I'm going to give a simple answer, I think that the two most important things that you can do um, anytime, whether it's get new friends, is that the first one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, honestly, I think actually that that's the way a lot of us are approaching it these days. We're getting into these social media bubbles where we interact with people who agree with us and then folks who disagree with us politically or socially, um, 
seem to make less and less sense because they're in their own bubbles. And we're seeing this, this ongoing extremism uh, uh, this polarization of America because everybody's in their social media bubble. So I think it's important for us to reach out and not just block everybody we disagree with. Sometimes you have to say, I'm not going to listen to any more of this. You know, this is too much. But I think as much as we can, we we need to have difficult conversations, but do it graciously. So my two big tips are to listen and to tell stories. And a lot of people push back on this idea of listening to somebody you disagree with, especially if it's an issue that you know more about than them because you think, well, they should be listening to me. And they probably should be listening to you, but you can't make somebody listen. The easiest way to make somebody to, to convince somebody to listen is to listen to them, and that helps them calm down and feel heard, and then they become ready to listen to you. And one of the things I encourage folks to do instead of when you listen, instead of just asking the question, why do you believe this thing that you do, this thing that I disagree with, is to ask, um, what's the story of how you came to this conclusion? Which is a little different question. People aren't used to that question. But yeah. when people start to tell the story of how they came to a conclusion, they shift out of the mode of just giving you arguments, mm-hmm. which, you know. On rope memory, can, the ones they've had on memory, yeah. Exactly. And you can argue back and forth with mm-hmm. somebody and, you know, you probably tried and you don't mm-hmm. get anywhere. But stories are um, powerful. When you hear somebody's story, you can learn about the moments that were emotionally impactful for them. And, and you can learn a lot about what sources they trust, what misinformation they may have believed, all the things that contributed to where they are now. Mm-hmm. And then you can share the story of how you came to your conclusion. And even if you don't wind up agreeing right away, you at least gain an understanding of each other's humanity uh, on this topic, and it can lead to more understanding down the road. So that's the sh- my short answer. It's a it's a perfect answer. I love that so much, and especially just you started with by thinking about them instead of thinking your own answer and doing that. You're the author of several books with your newest, Talking Across the Divide, which is similar to what we've been talking about. What was the premise for the book, and did you enjoy the writing process on this one? Uh, so yeah, so the premise of the book is um, well, the subtitle is how do you how to communicate with people you disagree with and maybe even change the world, and and I think that expresses the premise, which is um, we're in this world where we all have people in our in our circles of influence, coworkers, friends, family members, acquaintances, who disagree with us on issues that we care about. And some of those are issues where you can say, well, you know, everybody has a right to their opinion and nobody's right, nobody's wrong. But some of them are issues where, you know, I think that I am right. I think that it matters. I think that this other person is wrong. And I think that that matters. And I want to change their mind. But every time I try to change their mind, we just end up in an argument. Everybody digs in their heels and and we don't get anywhere. And so what we tend to do is then we just stop having those conversations because we feel like this person is so far gone. There's no way I can ever change their mind. Um, but that's leading to this increasing polarization of America. And I think that there is a way to have these conversations that's helpful where, where we can build bridges that actually are effective at changing minds. And it's something I've done a lot over the last 20 years working at the intersection of faith and LGBTQ issues where I've talked to people all across the spectrum who really disagree with each other and managed to make progress getting people to understand each other better and change their views. And so um, so I have some experience with this. And, and essentially, I argue that there are five 
key barriers that keep the the conversation from going anywhere. Things like people protecting their own ego because they think that you're treating them as a villain or team loyalty where they think that if I were to agree with you, that would make me, you know, like, you know, my identity is in my political party, for instance. And this argument you're making sounds like it's an argument that comes from your side of the aisle and I'm not on your side of the aisle. So I, I can't listen to it. Those kinds of barriers. And that with each of these barriers, there are strategies we can use, a lot of them based in listening and telling stories that can overcome these barriers and enable us to actually combat misinformation and change minds. Um, so that's the, you know, the gist of it. As far as whether I enjoyed the writing process, um, yeah, I mean, I really believe in this stuff. But um, when I wrote my first book about, about LGBTQ Christians, uh, I didn't have a publisher. So I was just writing that one. That book's called Torn. When I was writing that book, um, I was writing what I wanted to write, whether it would ever be published or not. And then after I was done writing it, I found a literary agent who helped me find a publisher. With Talking Across the Divide, I already had a publisher. It's published by a division of Penguin Random House. And when you are writing for a publisher, it's very different because there's a deadline and you have to write to the deadline. It's like, we want this book to come out at this time. So the writing has got to be done. And if you're not done, you just <laughs> have to figure it out. And that's a little stressful. Um, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the book. So You mentioned about the polarization in Talking Across the Divide. How grand or great or wide is this current divide and it feels like we have that the greatest polarization ever in american history so is that the case well yeah i mean it depends on who you ask mm -hmm. i mean certainly when you look at like the civil war era we were very polarized then and thankfully we're not literally at war with each other yet uh fingers crossed but um but I do think, yeah, this is one of the most polarized times in American history. And it's, and it's concerning that, it, that polarization seems to be increasing. Mm -hmm. And we have folks who, a lot of it's along political lines where, where we, we don't even believe in the same facts. Um, and that's concerning because how do you solve the kinds of problems that we have to solve as a society if we don't even agree on what the problems are, we don't even agree on what the consequences are of different avenues, and we don't trust each other enough to have a conversation about it, you know, a, a productive conversation at least. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a great uh, Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma that talks about how social media has contributed to this. I think that's a big piece of it. There's a book on that as well called The Filter Bubble. Uh, I talk about it a little in Talking Across the Divide. Um, I, I think that's social media has played a huge role. Um, but I think, I think there are other factors as well. Our splintered news media landscape is certainly one of them. You know, if, if you and I watch the same nightly news, then at least we're starting with a, a baseline. But if each of us has our own news that we watch, uh, you know, some of it online, some of it on TV based on our political allegiances, we're not, again, we're not even getting the same facts. Um, so, so things like that have, have continued to contribute to the polarization. And I think the solution is that we have to find ways to talk to each other. We absolutely have to. So then what are some more positive habits someone can adopt? Not just political, but to be not judgmental about oppositional thinkers on anything. How can we be more compassionate towards each other? Well, I think empathy is a huge part of it. Um, 
it is possible to empathize with folks that you disagree with um, because you, you don't have to empathize with or agree with their beliefs or their actions, but you can still try to understand where they're coming from and why they took those actions. Mm-hmm. Nobody, or at least almost nobody, goes through life seeing themselves as a villain. You know, in, in movies, we have these sort of uh, stereotypical villains who, who you know, you've got like the, the super villains who run organizations called the Evil League of Evil and, and yeah. you know, that yeah. kind of thing. But in real life, um, most of the real life villains, and there are real life villains, but most of them, they don't see themselves as villains. There's something that they perceive to be good about whatever it is they're doing or saying. Um, and so I think that... Um, with the exception of, you know, maybe specific, very extremist or or overtly hateful people or organizations where we could just say, look, this is, you know, a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. I think uh, most, of, most of America, most of the world, when we talk to people who we may see what they're saying or doing or believing as, as wrong or even evil, we can still listen to them and talk to them in a way that we're trying to understand where they're coming from and what is it that they perceive to be good. And it may be that they've believed stuff that's not true. It may be that there's information they have that we don't, but it may also be that there's information we have that they don't and they're acting on what they think is right and it's just not right. And if we can understand that, then we can start to humanize them and start to see, okay, you know, if, if I put myself in your shoes if I were you and I believed this stuff that you did, what are the arguments and approaches that would change my mind? Rather than what are the arguments that I agree with that would change my mind as I am now? And that's a it's a it's a shift in thinking that takes a little practice, but once you get good at it, you find that you're able to reach people you never thought you'd be able to reach. I love your philosophy, and it's just acknowledging that my thoughts might not be correct and that I can learn from someone else. I, I love it. You ran a prominent LGBTQ Christian organization for many years. And even I love the comment on your webpage of how can I be gay? I was a good Southern Baptist boy. Yeah. Uh, how has your unique and somewhat contradictory background helped you as both a writer, but also an activist? Well, it's been, um, I mean, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, it's, it's so interesting if people hear that I identify as gay and Christian, I get a lot of different responses. You know, there are people who right away are like, oh, well, that's, you know, some people are like, oh, me too. And some people are like, oh, well, that that's great. Good for you. You know, and, uh, and then some people on both sides are like, that doesn't make any sense. And you're deluding yourself. People who say, look, uh, you belong to a faith group that doesn't like gay people. So you need to just admit that and leave that faith group. And, and people who um, on the other side who say, uh, you know, that being gay is, is a sin and you need to not be gay. And, you know, um, so I've dealt with a lot of that. And it's interesting over the years, as I've learned to speak to different audiences using their own language, I've learned a lot about how if I'm talking to an LGBTQ group about, say, evangelical Christians, I use certain language, I talk in certain ways, there are certain things I have to explain that are not, you know, necessarily obvious to them. And if I'm talking to a conservative evangelical Christian group about LGBTQ people, I'm using different language and I'm explaining different things. And um, just being in those different spaces over the years 
Uh, I've learned a lot about how different groups of people see the world, um, how they see each other, what they, what each group thinks the other group believes that may be wrong, or what they think the other group knows about them that the other group doesn't know about them. And that's given me a lot of understanding of the ways that our misunderstandings of each other and our, our miscommunication contributes to the problems that we have in society. Um, so that's really, that's helped me a lot, you know, and it's helped me a lot as a writer to think about um, how, who's my audience and how do I communicate to that audience? What language do I need to use for them? And, and also it's, it's helped me um, to, to think about ways that just by translating our ideas and explaining things that you might not think you have to explain, but sometimes that you do um, can help you reach reach folks who are from different backgrounds from you. Yeah. Do the different backgrounds and different dialogue and, and words that you mentioned that you have to need for both sides, was that part of the driving force for Torn? Yeah. I mean, that was part of, for, for both Torn and Talking Across the Divide, um, when I wrote Torn about gay Christians, I was, as you say, I was running a nonprofit organization that was working to help families and churches that were wrestling with these these questions about sexuality. And a lot of people would say to me, well, I'm gay. Uh, my parents are conservative Christians and, and, and they're not supportive of, of me being gay. And, you know, I wish I had a book to recommend that would speak their language and help them understand my perspective. Uh, what do you recommend? And I really didn't have a lot of great resources to recommend. And I kept thinking to myself, well, I know what this book needs to say, because I've talked to so many of these parents, it should say this, and it should explain that. And it should talk about the Bible, and it should talk about the science, and it should talk about, you know, tell these stories that I find a lot of folks are surprised by and so forth. And finally, I just thought, I well, I guess I should write it, you know. And so that have, you know, the the nonprofit work, but also that book Torn, put me on the map for a lot of folks and got me all these speaking gigs around the world um, talking about being gay or LGBTQ and Christian. And that was what put me in all these different rooms where these, you know, a conservative Christian group would invite me to come in and talk about LGBTQ folks. And then a, a secular LGBTQ group would invite me to come in and talk about Christians. And uh, that ultimately was what led to talking across the divide about, you know, which is a secular book about, are, are talking across our differences because um, uh, it, it, it happened right after Donald Trump's election. I was in two different rooms um, in the, the week or so after the election. Uh, one group was a really liberal group and they were talking about how frustrated they were that Trump had been elected and all the reasons that they thought that conservative evangelicals had voted in such large numbers for Trump. And then the other group was a group of conservative evangelicals, many of whom had voted for Trump. And the reason that the progressive group thought the conservative evangelicals were voting for Trump was not uh, largely the reasons that the conservative evangelicals gave for why they said they voted for Trump. And I thought, boy, these two groups don't understand each other. They're angry with each other, but they don't understand each other. <laughs> That's an understatement. I'm angry and don't understand. I don't know how many times I've seen... I screenshot often screenshot uh, political ones just because of the, the comedy that comes with both sides saying the exact uh, accusatory statements like, hey, read a book, learn something. Hey, you read a book, learn something. It's like, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. People, people, people do this thing all the time where they take a position, and, but they don't want to actually 
provide support for their position. So they just say, oh, educate yourself. <laughs> and when they say educate yourself, what they really mean is you need to watch the YouTube videos that I've watched, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, well, okay, sometimes those YouTube videos are promoting misinformation. No, um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news for me personally. <laughs> you personally, how have you handled this unusual and chaotic year? What ways have you evolved? Um, oh, I, well, I mean, like everybody, this has been just a strange year for me. Um, you know, as a speaker, it's um, frustrating to not be able to get out and, and speak. I've been able to do some virtual events. So I've had to learn a lot about doing virtual events, which I hadn't done before. Um, and, you know, and, and it's forced me to take some time to do a lot of, uh, of reflection about just how I, how I do life, you know, how I organize my time and, and how, how I get work done. And I've always seen myself as an introvert, despite the fact that I do public speaking. And I've discovered that there are limits to my introversion that when I'm stuck inside all the time, <laughs> I, I get tired of it. Um, so I've, I've discovered a lot of my extroverted uh, side during this pandemic. And I'm very eager to get back out in the world and, and interact with people. But it is, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing, the biggest positive for me has been learning a lot about ways, uh, new ways to use technology to connect with folks because we are in this world where we're connected, but we're disconnected in so many ways. And I think that um, finding new ways to connect that are helpful is going to be really important for the, the future of the planet. Well said. What are your future projects plans for 2021, but also any, any goals that you might have? Well, I am looking forward to hopefully getting back to a point where events are happening in person again, uh, when we can do that safely, so I can get back out and speak some more. Um, and uh, I want to keep talking about um, all the things I'm interested in, but but particularly about how we fight this polarization. I uh, have been doing some interviews with folks who are focused specifically on this polarization in America and why is it happening and, and how do we address it? Um, and, and I want to keep doing that because I, I think that uh, addressing this polarization is going to be one of the biggest challenges that we face um, as human beings, uh, as Americans, um, but, but, but all on a global scale too. Uh, so I think um, that's, that's a real interest of mine and, and something I'm really focused on and I always have about a million projects in the back of my mind, you know, web stuff I want to roll out. And, and I always tell myself, Oh, I, I need to organize the content on my website better. And I need to, you know, all these things, podcasts I want to do and more videos I want to put out on my YouTube channel and, and all these things. But um, I try to take things one step at a time. So I don't end up doing 20 different projects at once. Although I usually do anyway. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of discipline, a lot of control. The website is geekyjustin.com. Geeky with a G. How else can people stay up to date with your project? Uh, so I, I'm, I do videos on YouTube. Um, my YouTube channel, likewise, is Geeky Justin. I'm on Twitter at Geeky Justin Lee, L-E-E. -E. Um, that's my last name. And uh, yeah, I'm happy for people to connect with me, whether it's on stuff dealing with LGBTQ stuff and faith or whether it's uh, on this kind of polarization or if they just want to talk about board games. I'm up for it, man. I love it. So as we finish up and you had a little more time, maybe to think 
top board game to start a pandemic with is it doesn't have to be before 1980 just anything top board game is <laughs> I, completely for, <laughs> I completely i completely forgot to uh uh to think about that let's see um you know i tell you probably if i could only have one game uh, for the the whole pandemic it probably wouldn't even be a board game it would be um uh, the there's a, a series of party games called Jackbox Party Packs, and I would probably have my Jackbox games because they're good okay. for all different kinds of of folks. Fantastic! This was this was really awesome. This was really awesome. I think it's such an important conversation to be had, and I think one of the big problems is a few people actually think about the fact that it's a conversation we need to have. Too many people are caught up in the actual argument instead of should we be arguing in the first place. Mm. I, yeah, I, I love that you. I love that your work that you're doing for it, and I think it's just so important. So I appreciate and just admire all your work for that. No, well, thanks very much. I appreciate it, and I enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, anything you need, just let me know. Perfect. I hope we chat again. But thank you for today. All right, thank you. Take care. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation, Justin. Wasn't that fantastic? For more information, check out geekyjustin.com. Be sure to pick up his book, Talking Across the Divide. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.